On our drive to church last Sunday morning, Karen and I were talking. We always have good talks on our commute down to the church. You know, I'm loaded up, ready to preach, and she's loaded up, ready to unload on your children. And uh, we are focusing on God. And uh, God powerfully crystallized something in my mind. It, obviously, it's, it's obvious to all of you. Um, as it is to me, but it just dawned on me the shocking cultural reality that people today have absolutely no sense of their desperate need for God. And even very many people who sit in churches have absolutely no sense of their desperate need for God. They just don't. Not in the least. At best, he's academic. At worst, he's irrelevant. He's not first in their affections and thoughts. Consequently, he's not first in their lives. It's stunning, really. It's shocking. Again, <laughs> thinking people, there has to be an adequate first cause. And my first job must be to find out how to relate to him. And it's just shocking. People are oblivious. People have no interest. People don't care. It's a stunning reality. This pervasive indifference toward God. You know, I love to quote Piper on this. They've never really dealt with the magnitude of what it means for God to be God. And for us to have a creator, never dealing with the magnitude of what that must imply. Every morning when we roll out of bed, it, there's an implication there. Every morning, there's an implication. It's true. <laughs> Almost anything and just about everything can get in front of God in your average American's life. And of course, we've been overseas for a long time. I can tell you that's universally true. We had 96 nations come through the church. We saw it. It's true all over the world. God just doesn't factor in on a daily basis in any meaningful way. Except maybe as a swear word, he comes in handy. Way more mental energy is spent on family and job and finances, materialism, houses, leisure, and entertainment. This is a colossal insult to Yahweh. I'll quote Piper again, and I'll try not to quote him anymore. This indifference toward God, it's the ultimate essence of evil. Now, I, I know that your, your average person walking the street, he doesn't, he doesn't think he's evil because he's indifferent to God. But God knows he's evil. He's evil because he's indifferent to God. The greatest being in the cosmos. We were created to worship him and to be indifferent to him. Well, it's worthy of eternal conscious punishment. You guys know Ecclesiastes 3.11. God says, I have set eternity in the heart of man. I, I give you that text a lot. We were built for God. 
We were built to hunger and thirst and desire God. We were built to lust for God. And what did you hear in uh, uh, the, the words of the psalmist? I think it's David in Psalm 63. What did you hear Joe read? This guy, is it David? Let me turn over and make sure. I think it is. David. Oh God, you are my God. I shall seek you earnestly. This is what thinking people do. They don't walk through life brain dead. They're connecting the dots. Right? My soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you. That's what true conversion looks like, right? It's what it looks like to be in a relationship with God. He created man to lust. To lust for Him. Right? It, it, the problem is not that men lust, it's what, it's, it's what we lust for. You guys, the, the word lust is a perfectly good word. It just means an overpowering desire, an intense and overwhelming desire. It's not that lust is bad, it's that we lust for the things of the world. Anything but God. Again... I just read Psalm 63.1 to you. Let me share Psalm 42.1. As the deer pants for the water brook, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Does that describe how, how, how you relate to your Creator? Is that, is that what's going on between you and your Maker? Psalm 73, 25, besides you, I desire nothing on earth. The psalmist is saying, you're my preeminent desire. Now, this is true conversion. This is what it looks like. This is Christianity. You've dispensed with all of the things of the world. They don't, it doesn't hold your affections anymore. God holds your preeminent affection. It's just always true for the born-again soul. Psalm 73, 25, Beside you I desire nothing on earth. Psalm 143, 6, I stretch out my hands to you. My soul longs for you as a parched land. Again, is that what's going on between you and Jesus? These psalmists are lusting for God. A holy lust. A sacred lust. You guys know C.S. Lewis. He wrote that men, men are far too easily pleased. We're pleased with the things of the world when we've been made for God. And God says, here I am. Here I am. Is it Psalm 60? Uh, pardon me. Isaiah 62. I have it. It's in my notes. We'll come to it sooner or later. So how is it in your life? Are you far too easily pleased? Are you like the psalmist? Are you hungering and thirsting and desiring and wanting and seeking and pursuing God? Above any and all. He's not some lesser consideration. He is your primary consideration. So this is my exhortation to you as we cross over into a brand new year, 2024 my exhortation is that you pursue Him above all things.
You hunger and thirst for him above all things. And if you don't hunger and thirst for him uh, above all things, then you have business to do. You, you must leave this place. As we conclude, you must go home. You must get in your prayer closet and cry out to God. <clears throat> we must at least seek to cultivate this intense desire for God in the new year. It's the flip side to the prayer I've been encouraging to pray the last several weeks. Lord, bid me come. So pray that prayer. Lord, bid me come. And as you pray it, proactively seek God. And as you proactively seek God, pray that prayer. Lord, bid me come. I want you above all things. When's the last time you said that to him? I want you above all things. And let that be evident in my heart, in my speech, and in my life, and in my deeds. In 2024, like it never has been before. Interestingly, there's only one thing in all the created universe that God is said to seek. Did you know that God seeks something? What is it? What does God seek? What does the Bible say? The God who is infinitely happy and self-satisfied, self-contained, in need of nothing, but he seeks one thing. What is it? Sinners who will worship him. He doesn't need anything, but he seeks sinners who will worship him. Ezekiel 34:11. God says, I will search for my sheep and seek them out. Luke 19, 10, Jesus says, I have come to seek and save that which was lost. John 4, 23, Jesus says it beautifully here. The Father seeks men who worship him in what? Spirit and truth. Right? It's not performance. Man, it's all about who I am. It, you know, it fills up my spirit to worship this great God. The God who needs nothing, he's seeking sinners. He never sought the fallen angels. He didn't seek them at all. He judged them. But he seeks sinners who would worship him in spirit and in truth. Throughout both the Old and New Testaments, God relentlessly calls men to seek him. And as God calls men to seek him, he is seeking men. So, you know where I'm going with this. This will be our New Year's resolution. Can you guess what the most popular resolution is? I looked it up. I Googled it. What is the most popular resolution this time of year? Who knows? Weight loss and exercise. That's right. Weight loss and exercise. Not a bad idea. But God is offering himself to us. Right? In the Word. He, he's offering himself to us. Maybe a little better than gaining or losing a few pounds. So here's my New Year's resolution for you and me. Psalm 63, 1. I will seek you earnestly, God. So I'm preaching to the lost and the found this morning. I'm always preaching to the lost and the found. 
if you don't know Jesus Christ this morning. In the way I'm talking about, you must seek the Lord 2024. If you do not know Him, you must do this. If you do know Him this morning, you must seek the Lord in 2024. <laughs> the believer is called ever deeper into intimacy. So the call is always there. Come, right? Come, as we've been talking about the last few weeks. It's the command of God to, to all men everywhere to flee to Him for the salvation of their souls. And it's the command of God to His people to come to Him for ever-deepening intimacy. So, this morning we're going to look at the incessant call of God in Scripture. So I'm going to be all over the place. You can't follow me, so don't try to follow me. But I, I want us to feel the weight of, of this command of God for you to seek Him and for me to do the same. Now some of you theologians out there have already sensed a bit of a problem. You know Romans 3.11 Regarding fallen man, the Bible says, <laughs> nobody seeks me. God says, no man seeks me. No natural man, no unregenerate man seeks me. This truth is revealed in both the Old and New Testament. In fact, Paul is quoting Psalm 14 when he talks about natural man's aversion to God. We know that man likes to talk about seeking God. But God says, no man ever seeks me of his own initiative. It just never happens. Throughout history, all of history, men have sought false gods, but never Yahweh. So how do we rec reconcile this tension between these two biblical truths? God says man does not seek him, then God commands man to seek him. So we'll come back to that. So stay tuned. If you are not earnestly seeking God, or you are, but at best he you're doing it in a half-hearted way, it's going to be very profitable for you to sit under the Word this morning and hear all that God has to say about seeking Him. Okay? You know, I guess maybe it's uh, the lowest bar possible for God to set that maybe the creature would seek His Creator. Is there a lower bar? Well, maybe to believe He's there. But a non... You know, you have to be... You have to be irrational... To not understand that he's there. So if he is there rationally and logically, what's left to do but seek him? And this is what the Lord calls us to this morning. What does it mean to seek? You know what it means. But I always like to, if I'm going to hammer a word all through a sermon, I like to look it up. The best definition is a desire for in the context that we're talking about. A desire for. Is that real for you? Do you desire Him? The best synonym I found in this context is to pursue. Are you pursuing Him? We're not five books into the Bible and God says this, Deuteronomy 4.29. You shall seek the Lord your God and you will find Him if you search for him with all your heart and all your soul. So from the get-go, five books in, God says, you can have as much of me as you want. 
And here's the insult. People live their whole lives not wanting Him. And people can live, people who profess to be Christians can live the whole week and never really want Him. I don't know where I read this, but I've used it a lot. You've already heard me say it. This is an insult to God. The one who gave you all that you are and all that you have and all that you will ever have and be, I don't want him. I don't seek him. I'm not looking for him. In the historical books, man, I, I realize the Chronicles just hammer this. God hammers this in the Chronicles. Hey, I'm not going to give you all the references. If you want my notes, I'm happy to email them to you. But First Chronicles 16, let the heart of those who seek the Lord be glad. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face. And then he ends it like this, continually. Don't ever stop. Don't ever stop seeking the Lord. I love David's words to his son Solomon, 1 Chronicles 28. If you seek God, he will let you find him. But if you forsake God, abandon God, or that means abandon or desert or leave or quit God. How many Christians did I, so-called professing Christians, did I meet in Milan who have, you know, who are just in it because I need to check my church-going box. But they quit God. They had quit God. He didn't mean anything to them in a meaningful way on a daily basis. Second Chronicles 7. You guys know this one. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and will heal their land. Second Chronicles 12 tells us that King Rehoboam of Judah did evil. Why did he do evil? This is a powerful verse. He did evil because he did not set his heart to seek God. I'm going to go back to the definition, right? To desire and pursue God. God says, if you don't desire and pursue me, it's evil. I call it evil. I know you don't call it evil. Your average man on the street doesn't call it evil. God calls it evil. You know, we, we, we can't live by our own definitions. We better, we, if we've got any sense, we'll live by God's. And we'll live by God's word. And we'll deal with the magnitude of what it means for God to be God and me to be dust. Beloved, can I just encourage you? Um, we got a brand new year coming up. <laughs> Write that down somewhere <laughs> so you don't forget it. Every day, I'm genuinely going to deal with the magnitude of what it means for God to be God. What does that look like in my job today? What does that look like in my, in my marriage today? What does it look like as I raise my kids today? What does it look like? that I'm always dealing with the magnitude of what it means for God to be God. Second Chronicles 15, Azariah the prophet speaks to King Asa and says, If you seek the Lord, He will let you find Him. But if you forsake Him or abandon Him or quit Him, He will forsake you. 
In their distress, they turned to the Lord and they sought him and he let them find him. So the Lord gave, gave them rest on every side. So I'm going to say to all of you out here who are unconverted, if you're, if you don't, if you're not born again, if, you don't, you know, if you're not in that deep relationship with Jesus Christ, I would say to you, are you in, in distress? Of course you're in distress. Now you may not even know you're in distress, but you are in distress and you will be forever. Lest... You seek the Lord with all diligence. Believer, are you in distress? Don't you love this promise here? King Asa was in distress. The Lord will give you rest on every side as you seek Him. Don't you love that? And I got to throw in 2 Chronicles 16:9, and uh, in here, just as a reminder and encouragement for the believers. This is what God is up to. <laughs> I always love this verse. I know you know it. For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the, the, the whole earth that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. Wow. Beautiful text. Or we could say to all whose hearts are genuinely seeking the Lord. If you're seeking the Lord, he's on the lookout for you. And he's on his way to you. This is a promise from the God who cannot not keep a promise. Jehovah Jireh, we talked about last week. God says, I will see to it. Ezra 8.22, the hand of the Lord is favorably disposed to all who seek him, but his power and his anger are against all those who quit him, forsake him, abandon him. I mean... You just got this awesome promise and you just got this terrifying warning right there. And quickly, just, just a collage of verses from the Psalms. I'm not going to give you the complete reference. Psalm 9, for you, O Lord, have forsaken those, for you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Psalm 24, those who seek God's face shall receive a blessing from the Lord. Psalm 34. Those who seek the Lord shall not be in want of any good thing. Psalm 40. Let all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. Psalm 69. You who seek God, let your heart revive. Psalm 105. Seek the Lord and His strength. Seek His face continually. Psalm 119. How blessed are those who seek Him with all of their heart. <laughs> the psalmists were all over this. And you get to the Proverbs, and I'd like for you to turn with me, if you would, to Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1, and I'm just going to read a pretty good section here. Pretty good section of Scripture. Proverbs chapter 1, I'm going to pick up in verse 22. I want to say to you, and I think you know this, that wisdom here is synonymous with God. Wisdom is personified as God. And listen to the words of God, the words of wisdom. I'm going to pick up chapter 1, Proverbs, verse 22. How long, O naive ones, will you love simple things, or you love simplicity? And scoffers delight themselves in scoffing, and fools hate knowledge. Turn to my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you. Because I called and you refused, I stretch out my hand. And no one paid attention. Man, 
It's the culture. <laughs> Let me finish verse 24. And you neglected all my counsel. That's the culture. And you did not want my reproof. It's the culture. I will even laugh at your calamity. I will mock when, you, when your dread comes. When your dread comes like a storm and your calamity comes uh, on like a whirlwind. When distress and anguish come on you. Then they will call on me, but I will not answer, God says. They will seek me. Here it is. Here's the word. Here's a key word today. They will seek me diligently, but they shall not find me. It's too late. You don't get to play games with Yahweh. Let me finish reading verse 29. Because they hated knowledge. <laughs> That's a culture. And they, they, they did not choose the fear of God. They would not accept my counsel. They, they spurn all my reproof. So they shall eat of the fruit of their own way and be satiated with their own devices. For the waywardness of the naive shall kill them. And the complacency of fools shall destroy them. Verse 33. But he who listens to me shall live securely and shall be at ease from the dread of evil. Wow. That's our culture. That's why we've got 35 people here. And I don't mind having 35 people here. There were some times, hey, I preached to four people in Milan once. I don't have a problem with it. Hey, man, if, the, if, if there's only four elect who want to come, let them come. And I'll preach to them. People have no sense of their need for God at all. And of course, that's part of our job to be out in the world. Sowing the seed. In Proverbs eleven twenty-seven, 27, God says, He who diligently seeks God, seeks good or, or God, seeks favor. But he who searches after evil, listen, it'll come to him. And what's evil in the eyes of God? What's evil? I don't seek him at all. He's not important to me at all on a daily basis. I don't give him one thought uh, Monday through Saturday. I might come to church on Sunday. This is evil to God. This is what he says, evil will come to you. This is the unvarnished, pervasive message of the Bible. If you seek God, you find him. God says, here I am. And I'll get to the text in a minute. I think it's Isaiah 62. Here I am. No one's going to stand on the, before the throne and say, I didn't know. I didn't know I could come to you. I didn't know I could love you. I didn't know I could pursue you and find you. Nobody gets to say that. Isaiah 31.1, God says, Woe to those who trust in their own strength and in the ways of the world and do not look, you know, present active participle, do not look to the Holy One of Israel nor seek the Lord. God says, Woe to this man or woman. You are sowing seeds of evil and it will come to you. 
I heard a preacher say it. I think it was Spurgeon. And I loved it. This really boils it down, doesn't it? No occupants of hell will ever be able to say, I genuinely sought the Lord and he rejected me. That never happens. And you guys know Jeremiah 29, 11 through 14. Let me just read it to you. And I love this verse. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not calamity, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And here it is. And you will seek me, and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. Is there a more beautiful promise in all the Bible? And I will be found by you, declares the Lord. I'll tell you what I've already told you. You get as much of God as you want. The born-again soul really wants Christ. The nominal Christian really doesn't. And that's it. There's the truth. The truth about your heart right there. The truth about my heart. And while certainly Jeremiah 29 is without question God's promise to His people, it's accurate to speak it to those who do not know, yet, know Him yet. God has a, a calling to all men everywhere to seek Him. And His promise is always the same. If you seek Me, I will be found by you. It's, it's the best promise in the world. <laughs> and it doesn't mean anything to your average American, and shall I say worldling. It means little or nothing to most, the vast majority. God says, here I am. <laughs> what? I mean, yeah. You know, when I'm sharing the gospel and someone says, what do I need to do to be saved? I never lead them in a prayer. I never do that. That's not what happens in the Bible. I take them through a couple of truths and then I'll tell them to seek the Lord. Seek God. And if you are genuinely seeking God, you will be found by Him. You gotta love the Bible. <laughs> you gotta love it. God's not playing a game of cosmic hide and seek. Paul tells us in Acts 17, 27, God is not far from each one of us, right? And you guys know Isaiah 55, 6, I woke up in the middle of the night. This wasn't in my sermon. I woke up at 4, and this sermon was in my head. And then I couldn't go back to sleep. So I'm in for a good nap today. Isaiah 55, 6, seek the Lord, what? While He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near. It, it won't always be here I am. It won't always be that. It won't always be that. Here's another sobering warning from God in Hosea to those who would try to, you know, manipulate God. You know, people always like to manipulate grace. Well, let's sin all the more. You know, as Paul, as Paul said, 
Many in the visible church today do do that. They try to play the game, play God for a fool, sin with impunity, and presume that His grace will always be available. Hosea 5, 6, God says, They will seek me, but they will not find me, for I have withdrawn from them. So I'm going to say to you, beloved, believer, unbeliever, God says it in Psalms, and He says it three times in Hebrews, today, there's always a sense of urgency. Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your heart. You don't get to dither with Yahweh. It's always worship or flee with Him. And here's the whole sermon, Amos 5, 4. God says, seek me that you may live. What does God say? I think it's in Ezekiel somewhere. I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, right? I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Here I am. So lost friend, I'm calling you out of death and into life. Seek the Lord in 2024. Christian, I'm calling you into a deeper and more abundant God-sized life as you seek the Lord. Lost friend, you need to turn your back on the world and enter by the narrow gate. Christian, Jesus said you got to seek first what? The kingdom of God. Not career, not finances, not marriage, not children. Not entertainment, not leisure, not houses, not lands. God. This is God's call to you and me in 2024. So let's talk just a minute about how we do this. How do we practically, how do, we practically do this? How, how, how is this? How do we flesh this out? You guys know. I'm not telling you anything you don't already know. You will seek God and find Him in His Word and personal Bible study. <laughs> There's no personal Bible study going on. I mean, you know. Let's just stop with the pretense. This will be our daily meat and our daily drink. You will seek God and find Him in your personal prayer. You know, as you spend time with Him, talking to Him and listening to Him, delighting in Him and adoring Him and growing in intimacy with Him. You will seek God and find Him as you worship with God's people in the church. God commands it, Hebrews 10, 25. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. We've got some folks who have forsaken it. No question about it. You know, for the true believer, Sunday's non-negotiable. I will be in group Bible study, and I will be under the preached word. If it's humanly possible, if I'm well, I'm going to be there, man. I love God, and I love God's people, and I love God's word. Did you hear Joe read in Psalm 63? And this is a recurring theme. It's a recurring theme in, in the Psalms. You see it a lot, particularly with David. He wants to be in the sanctuary. He says, he says, uh, he says I, I beheld you in the sanctuary and I saw your power and I saw your glory. Verse 2 of Psalm 63. And yes, every true believer in this room understands that God mysteriously inhabits the preached word and the praise of his people. 
we all understand. David says, I, 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 Thus I have beheld you in the sanctuary. And many times, you, you, as you read through the Psalms, you just watch the psalmist. He wants to be with God's people. He wants to be in the sanctuary. You will seek God and find Him in loving and serving the brethren in this church, right? Jesus says, By this men will know that you are mine if you love one another. You will seek God and find Him in your systematic and sacrificial giving to the church and other kingdom work. You know God's great promise, Malachi 3.10. I think it's the only time He says this. He says, test me in this and see if I will not pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. You will seek God and find Him as you share the gospel with the lost. And I, 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 someone pointed out to me in Matthew 28, 20, you know, Jesus says, I am with you always in that great commission. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. God is with us in the evangelism. All we have to do, like, you know, is open our mouths and He'll do all the heavy lifting here. You have no pressure. You don't have to convert anybody. Just share the truth with them. As long as they'll listen to you, share the truth. And then pray. God does everything that matters. I mean, we, we absolutely have no pressure here. There's no pressure here. In summary, we could simply say, you will seek God and find Him in your obedience. And it's John 14, 21. One of the verses I have on my wall. He who has my commandments and keeps them he it is who loves me, and he who loves me shall be loved by my Father. And I will love him, and I will disclose myself to him. You get as much of God as you want. It comes in obedience. <laughs> as I've already said twice to you, I think, you get as much of God as you want. It's what we've been seeing in the lives of the men and women of Hebrews 11. They really wanted God <laughs> a lot. One of the guys is going to get sawn in two next week after next. So if memory serves, we have one loose end to tie up. Remember we said... But the Bible clearly reveals natural man does not seek God, but God commands man to seek Him. So how do we reconcile the tension between these two biblical truths? Psalm 65, 1, I was wrong. It's not Psalms, it, pardon me. It's not Isaiah 62, it's Isaiah 65. Listen to this, Isaiah 65, 1. You need to know this verse. Listen to God. I permitted myself to be sought by those who did not ask. So how did you become a Christian? If you are one this morning. I permitted myself to be sought by those who did not ask for me. And then he says this. I permitted myself to be found by those who didn't seek me. I said, here I am. Here I am. <laughs> I love that verse. So... Here's how that beautiful truth fleshes out in the life of the true believer. This is how it worked for me. It may be different for you, but this is the best way I can talk about it. We discover that while we were doing what God called us to do, which was to seek Him, we find that He was, in fact, already seeking us. We didn't know that. 
to the fullest greatest to the, to the fullest possible degree but we find out that he was seeking us that it was the, the John 6:44 thing he was drawing us all along we thought we'd found him when in fact the overarching and decisive truth of the bible is that we had been found by him god says i permitted myself to be found by those who did not seek me So we've got at least two worship-provoking truths here, likely a few more. The infinitely all-sufficient God who needs nothing seeks sinners. We've already made that point. Two, God permitted himself to be found by those who did not seek him. Amen. Praise God. I know who I was. I know what my priorities were. I was a churchgoer. Wouldn't have given you maybe much over a dollar for it all. And I'm just being transparent. It was cultural. It was strictly cultural. It was st strictly something my family taught me to do. So, are you seeking the Lord? Unbeliever. You must seek the Lord for the salvation of your soul or you will perish eternally in eternal conscious punishment. This is the word of God. And believer, you, you will, not must, you will seek the Lord that you may come into ever deepening intimacy with Him. If you're not, if this is not going on in your life, you're still in the first category. You're still an unbeliever. In a salvific sense, the born-again soul understands what the psalmist understood. And I'm just going to summarize a couple of psalms and we're done. Oh God, you are my God. I shall seek you earnestly. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul pants for you. Oh God, my soul thirsts for God. For the living God besides you, I desire nothing on earth. I stretch out my hands to you. My soul longs for you. Psalm 63, 42, 73, and 143. In summary, the seeking God commands his people to seek him. And when his seeking people seek him, they discover that he was seeking them all along. And the seeking God seeks his seeking people to give them what he originally designed them to seek. What was that? Himself. Himself. It's always the sacred romance. So I exhort everyone in the room this morning to seek the Lord in 2024 like you never have before. It's a win-win. It's a win in time and a win in eternity. God says... You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. And I will be found by you, declares the Lord. It's true. You get as much of God as you want. Let's pray.